What's up everybody, Jay Miller here bringing another Productivity in Tech podcast. This is the show where I sit down with someone in the tech space and we talk about the thing that they are doing uh, to help other people in tech. And again, I'm Jay Miller. I am a podcast editor, developer, automator, multi-potential light thing. Uh, We're still trying to get that intro down. And my guest today is Al Rodriguez. Al, how are you doing today? Hey, great. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Uh, Obviously, uh, the people don't know behind the curtain. We've been trying some new software out. I got some new equipment and it's been a headache just getting everything figured and reconfigured and all those things. But, you know, I'm glad that that's all over and now we're doing a podcast because nothing makes me happier than talking with like people that I've had conversations with before on air and I get to learn more about. So the last time that I spoke with Al was on his podcast and I will butcher the name. So if we can, Al, go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about your podcast and uh, give the listeners a good feel for it. Yeah. So, all right. So the show is called Developer Side Quests. And uh, in it, I interview other uh, software developers or anyone really, uh, but about uh, specifically about software development side projects that we work on. So, um, you know, I, I try to get people of, you know, completely different types of things. I've interviewed, uh, well, Jay right here talking about, uh, you know, starting productivity in tech and, you know, all the types of uh, things that he has to do there for, you know, software development wise for starting a side business. Uh, I've interviewed a handful of other people from um, just making a, a, you know, small little project for, cause they wanted to learn how something works, a uh, technology. <clears throat> and then up to uh, uh, off to someone else who um, essentially works on um, testing the security of websites and uh, how that's his job. But he also just goes home and decides to have fun doing that to other websites too, because why not? (laughs) That sounds like someone you want to be like your best friend and not your worst enemy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, But at the same time, it's also someone, you know, fun to talk to, right? Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I I love that style of stuff, like, you know, that concept, the security of things. And I just, I love hearing the stories. But it's one of those things that every time I like, peel back the curtain just a little bit to learn a little more, I just get, you know, on one hand, um, a little overwhelmed with how much, but also depressed, because it reminds me of how broken everything actually is. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, uh, kind of a, a little tangent here. When when I, during my time in the military, I had the opportunity to fly out of a C one thirty, which is like the most like iconic military plane, other than like a B two bomber or something like that. And these are troop ships. These are designed to carry like people so that they jump out of them and stuff like that. Like it's it's a it's an interesting ride it's not very comfortable and as we were getting ready to go onto the plane i'm sitting there and i see like something flapping like on the side of the tail and i look to one of the crewmen and i'm like hey what's that thing there they go oh it looks like some of the duct tape got loose on the on the fin and and then he's like all right everybody get on and i'm like oh wait what (laughs) so (laughs) Oh, you were on the ground at the time. Oh yeah, no, no, we were getting on the we were getting on the plane when I saw the duct tape uh, on the plane that I was about to get on. So yeah, it was it was definitely one of those moments of, hmm, I I don't know if I feel comfortable doing this. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I guess it worked out. So did did they at least reapply the duct tape before? going off or or no is duct tape just way better than i give it credit for so uh the we called it 100 mile an hour tape uh and the reason being is that it can withstand up to 100 miles an hour now i'm sure that that plane was probably going faster than that so uh i don't know i didn't really want to look i was just glad to be on land when we uh we finally got back (laughs) oh all right well uh that sounds like a fun story (laughs) 
Yeah. So, so we were talking, so you do a podcast about side questing and, and you particularly, you like spin it to have this side quest, uh, like D and D kind of feel, where did that idea come from? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, jumbled with a couple of different things. Uh, I mean, the, the, the name of it, developer side quests, um, and actually, that name was originally the name of my like personal blog site, and I thought, oh, this would be cool because I t- wanted to start a blog, and I kept seeing a bunch of other people like when they start one, they they have some cool name for their you know domain name and site, and I was like, all right, well, no, oh, this sounds cool, developer side quests. Um, and then after a while, I thought, you know, I could probably use the site name for something else, and I keep hearing people talk about a personal brand, so let me change up the domain. I'll use that domain for something else, and then my blog will be, you know, whatever it is now. And um, so then I thought, all right, cool. So now I can use this name for something else. And then a few months go by. <laughs> and so then um, uh, ended up, uh, you know, thinking, oh, hey, you know, there, here's this this podcast idea that I've kind of wanted to do for a while. It's talking about side projects. And part of the reason for that is, um, you know, me on a personal note, I would like to blog more and write more about, you know, things that I learned and like, Hey, I worked on this thing and it took me a week to learn this one small thing that you can't really find online. Uh, but actually sitting down and writing that, that takes some, some more effort than, um, than I put down. Cause you know, we're all adults. We all have lives, that whole thing. And so I thought, Hey, uh, you know, it's a smart idea. Just, talking about this stuff in a podcast form instead of having to write that'll be way easier now it turns out i was wrong it's probably the same amount of work but that's how it at least led me to this whole uh, to that whole process you know i i do think that podcasting can be a little bit easier i think that and this is probably the same for blogging i think that people tend to make it harder than it has to be like as an editor the thing that i always get is like oh you can take out the ums and the likes and stuff right and to me it's just like i i guess and and the reason i say that is in traditional editing there's like the rule of two for every one minute of audio it takes two minutes to edit and when you have to go back and like clear out ums and realign audio and make sure that it doesn't sound like there's really long pauses, that time like quadruples. <laughs> like it takes, like I, I track time in my edits and the, the people who don't mind there being ums and things like that in there, it takes like maybe two hours to do an hour podcast. But the, the people who have like, a oh i need all the ums removed an hour-long podcast will take like five hours to edit just because you then have to go and realign things and i'll catch myself doing it on accident i'm like no 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 no, we're done here Um, so (laughs) and and then like a lot of the things with hosting and marketing and and you know uh, to bring this back to the idea of side questing um is this a hobby that you would like to eventually become a main quest or is it something that uh, you're kind of happy with it just being a little side project? You don't really care if it grows or, or anything like that. Uh, you know, I haven't put enough thought into it to make a decision. Like I, I enjoy talking to people and, um, you know, getting different perspectives on different things. Um, you know, even talking to people about the exact same topic, everyone's going to have their own different thoughts and, you know, where they come from. And part of just doing the show is, is the excuse to do that. Uh, and then every so often the other excuse is to ask them a very specific question that I just want to know that I couldn't find online easily. Um, but, uh, you know, do, doing that kind of show, um, I, I don't really know. Um, like I, I know that as it stands today, I don't put enough effort into it to definitely make it something that would be like a main quest. Um, and exactly what you said about you know the, the audio editing. Um, when I started, I did go and uh, start removing a bunch of ums and the pauses, and and for a show like mine that takes a half an hour to of, of audio to you know, record it, yeah, it was taking like an hour, hour and a half to to do the full on. Um, editing 
so since then, I've definitely relaxed those rules by a ton. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I've told people is I would love at a minimum to get the show large enough that I have some sponsors so that then I can pay other people to do the edits and the transcribing and that st- type of stuff. So I think that part would be the, the minimum of what I, I want to at least grow the show to. You know, and and that's kind of something that I did want to talk about a little bit was the idea of, uh, for those that are familiar with Pitt, you'll know that Pitt is my side hustle, but it is also my business. It is my brand. Every time I've tried to uh, veer away from the brand, it just brought me back. So I've kind of just accepted it. But the... The thing for me is like, I still go to a day job. I still work a nine to five and then I come home and I work another, you know, what, seven to midnight ish kind of thing. Uh, so it's, it's toll. It's like, it takes a toll on you after a while. Uh, what is your thought on making that transition to from like side quest to main quest? Is it, it are you someone who is more risk averse or are you like, you know, sometimes you just got to leap, so I'm leaping. Like, is that is that kind of where you find yourself in this? Um, yeah, kind of. So so my approach to things has kind of always been the, um, well, I guess it's time to make that leap. I'll do it now, and we'll see where that leads. Um, so I I have been, like, working on this, this project, um, well, I guess a side quest for, um, like, on and off. Uh, but in total, it's been about six years in total that I've been trying to uh, create this wow. this thing that I eventually want to turn it into a business. And um, I I keep pushing myself because, yeah, I mean, the, the thing ab- it, about creating this is that I'm, I'm having to learn so much. So like last year, I had to learn a lot of embedded style software development. And what comes with that is also a bunch of learning electronics. And that's a lot of stuff that I like, I don't have any background in. I didn't learn any of that stuff in, in school when you know, I went to college and that kind of stuff. And so that really slowed me down. And so I'm, I'm really trying to just get to that point where I have that, you know, minimum viable, viable product sort of th- thing that I can try and start selling it and, you know, making, making this product. And so uh, I, I keep joking with my wife, like, Hey, what if I just quit today and start that, that side project as a business? And, uh, eventually, you know, she's at least the, the, uh, rational head in the relationship because she says, no, like you've said, Al, you need to get to a point where you at least have a, a working enough prototype because, um, you know, and, and like, she said i've said that <laughs> because uh you know I, I i really want to just sit down and, and spend all of my time working on this project and, and getting it to you know a, a fully fleshed out product but um, you know if, if i lose a month or two because i have to completely learn this other technology that you know that's that's something and so um that's where i kind of have to keep weighing things you know like do i want to um you know, take that gamble. And so far I have decided not to take that gamble, but I'm really hoping soon that maybe a year from now I'll be finally at that point where I can, can do that. You know, that's really cool that you're able to plan out your uh, exit strategy. You know, I think that's something that I have not quite been able to figure out just yet. And, and a lot of that is due to my own, uh, I don't want to say waffling of ideas, but I'm, I'm an ideas person. I come up with an idea. I play with that idea until I'm bored with it. And then I'm on to the next idea. That is why, to me, a podcast is so great because I get to talk to people on a weekly basis about the different things that they have. And all it does is spark ideas. It makes me want to think about, oh, I could do this. And, oh, that you know this would be great. Uh, but in doing that, I do tend to, I guess, delay my own uh, escape from cubicle captivity, uh, which is, I think, the way I phrased it. And I'm trying to remember where I got that phrasing from. But I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, um, you know, like like you said, it's it is scary to just you know take that leap because you have uh, zero security if you go off and start your own thing. And uh, you know, at least having some runway to to go with is. 
know, at least helpful, right? Like I'm, I'm sure, like you said, you want to escape that cubicle captivity. Like someday you probably will, you know, take that leap and, you know, make productivity and tech your, your full thing. But it's like, you, you, you need to believe in it enough at that point that, that you can, right? Like if you were to just say tomorrow, you wake up and you say, yeah, I'm done. I'm not going into work. I'm just productivity and tech uh, all, all the way. Like there would probably be a ton of work that you need to do. Like, but if instead you wait another year, maybe it'll be easier. Um, but at the same time, I'm sure we, you know, both of us are probably in that same boat. We just keep telling ourselves that, right? Like, oh, let's just wait a little bit longer. It'll be better sooner. Well, I, I think the other side of that is when you feel like you have time, you will take as much time as possible. Um, that's something that I'm trying to remember the name of the study, but they showed like if you gave someone 15 minutes to do a task and then you gave someone else of you know equal ability five minutes to do the task, they still tend to get the task done. And it, it's I, I think that that happens when it, when you are side questing with the idea of it becoming your main quest. Uh, and for those that don't know, like we've been saying side quest and, and main quest in this a lot, uh, side quest, side hustle, main quest, your, your main hustle, day job, full-time job, what, whatever. Like, um, I'm, I'm hoping that we haven't been confusing people for the last 15 minutes, but, <laughs> but with that, like, I feel like even though, and I know this podcast isn't about me, it's about you, <laughs> but I feel like because I have that security blanket and I say, oh, well, you know, I can do that anytime, then it doesn't get done because, again, I can do that anytime. Where if I didn't have that security blanket, if it was like, okay, you've got to make X number of dollars by the end of the month or you lose your house – you know, you're going to be doing a lot more to make, you know, sales happen, to to push your product to wherever you're trying to get it to. And I do wonder if people should jump before they feel comfortable doing so. Yeah, that's probably like a, a good point. Like just, you know, when you're like 90 percent of the way to that comfort zone or that the point where you think would be comfortable, that's probably a good time to, to really push. I mean, you know, there, there's so much business literature out there, like for starting a new business, you got to, you know, do all of these, uh, what is uh, growth hacks, I think is, is the phrase, right? Do all these things to um, kind of take those shortcuts. Because that mindset, I think, with starting a business is the uh, grow as quickly as possible because you have no idea how long you'll actually be in business. And it makes sense from that perspective. But, you know, and I've definitely been in the comfort zone of, oh, I have plenty of time because, like I said, it's been six years for me and I keep doing this on and off. And I just took a month off of the project because I wanted to learn something else that I think will be useful. And so I bought a book and I read through it, did tutorials. And, um, you know, and if I had to live off of this, that's not something I would have done, probably. Um, and maybe that's for the best, better, right? Like maybe the project itself, the, the end product will be better because of that. I have no idea. Um, I won't know probably for years. Well, and, and like you just said, you know, having to growth hack your way into a viable business, I, I don't know if that's a sustainable model. Uh, also, it can be frustrating at times uh, as someone where, you know, it, I'm a not a solopreneur because I actually my wife helps with a lot of the, with some of the editing that comes in and and we we share some of those responsibilities. But uh, she'll be the first to tell you that a lot of that does kind of fall on me because I I am the the productivity and tech person. Like she she's like I'm okay playing in the backfield, but that means that when it comes to finding podcast clients and marketing clients and doing and doing like all these consultations and connecting and you know promoting my brand quote unquote like that's that's all me like that's 
me taking every waking hour that I have that's not devoted to my wife and my daughter. And like, I can't tell you the last time I sat down and watched a movie. Like, I can't tell you the last time I sat down and watched, like, a t- uh, like binge-watched a TV series. Uh, it takes me, like, five times as long to do those things. And I'm okay with it because I enjoy doing this. But at the same time, like, I've definitely had to, you know, call in sick for my day job because I'm too tired to to move. And it wasn't because I stayed up all night. It's because I pulled late hours for about two months, you know. So so I, I guess I'm, I'm saying all of that to, to kind of tangent my way into a question. And that question would be, do, do you ever feel like your side quest gets in the way of your main quest? Oh, yeah, easily. Um, you know, I mean, uh, something that I've kind of thought a few times is, um, you know, if, if I were to look at my career, like, as the, the type of person who has no interest in starting my own business, um, what things would I be doing differently? Like, the stuff that I do in my day job is very different from the stuff I'm doing in my side quest. It's still software related, there's software development, but the kind of stuff that I'm making and working on is is not, or it has very little intersection of the technologies that I'm using during my day job. And I kind of wonder, would I be better at stuff if I just focused on the stuff for, for my day job? And I, I kind of think that that's the, the big one, right? And that's the, the one that, that uh, maybe kind of pulls me back a little bit uh, because of that. But, you know, we're human. We all have a diverse set of interests. And um, it, it probably wouldn't be the, you know, full-time amount of work improving in that s- set of skills. But you know, even if it was 50%, right? Even if I uh, hear a coworker talking about some new whiz-bang thing, uh, what, I would probably at least look into it more than I do now. Uh, and and I kind of think that from that perspective, yeah, there, there's probably that little bit of hindrance. But at the same time, this other thing is also keeping me happy, which is also a bit of a... a you know, a, a sanity check, right? <laughs> you probably also want to make sure that the thing you're doing is, is, you know, keeping you happy and keeping you going to uh, complete your, your main quest. So um, yeah, there, there's probably a, a, you know, a bit of both. I'm, I'm always of the mindset that, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. Uh, and so when you start saying, you know, one thing is, uh, you know, definitely harmful to the other. I mean, maybe not always in some situations. Yeah, definitely. But uh um, you know, I, I will say that it's, it's probably the opposite is probably more true. That main quest, uh, does also do a lot of harm to my side quests. Cause you know, there are times where, uh, maybe something is chaotic at work and I was planning to, uh, come home and do something specific for my side quest. But, you know, I ended up working a nine, 10 hour day and now I'm just really tired and I don't want to do anything. And I just want to, uh, you know, play with the dog or sit down and, you know, watch a TV show that I have recorded. And um, that one, I have to say, probably happens more often, um, which is one of those times when I think to myself, wow, I really want to get this side quest more. And so it's uh, uh, kind of pushes me more, I got to say. So one of the things that I, I'm actually working on a talk about is this theory that I have that if you embrace or if you as an employer embrace your employees side quests and allow them to explore ways to develop those side quests, they have the opportunity to come back and benefit the employer. And a a good example of this is I'm a Python developer and I've been developing in Python for, you know, six, seven years now. And one of the things that when I got into this marketing job was we got Max, we got a little bit more on uh, autonomy, and we had the keys to the castle in terms of our web presence and our like marketing customer acquisition side of business. So with that, I was able to start building different automations for processes that 
my team had previously been doing for years manually and saving the the team itself countless hours uh there's an example we we had we acquired a company and in that acquisition we had to add you know some like 8000 products to our online catalog and everyone was like oh this is going to take forever it's going to da 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 and with just a little bit of i think it was literally like less than 100 lines of code i was able to download all of their file all of their images index the entire like list of items that we were uploading upload them to our system add images for them and set them live in our system in about four hours and they were like oh we thought this was going to take weeks and it's so interesting that i never would have had the ability to do that thing had my boss not been okay with me you know every once in a while watching a video from PyCon or watching some conference talk or tinkering around and even just giving me the green light to say like, Hey, I think there's a better way to do this. I've played around with it before. Just give me a shot. And you know, that's a good thing to think about when you're a manager, but also has there been any way that you as a side quester have been able to take some of your talents and apply them to your main quest? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of, uh, <laughs> of some of this. Um, yeah. Um, so I, Oh, um, so I don't know if this counts for answering a question, but I'm going to say it anyway, cause I like the answer. Um, <laughs> so we, we had a, a particularly bad, uh, weekend uh, a while ago at work where um, you know we had some issues with the site uh, there was a lot of load that kind of stuff and so uh, it, I mean it was it was a very learning weekend because we learned a lot of stuff about our system uh, but um, you know one of the things that we had realized was you know we don't test uh, performance types of uh, things or uh, really like a load testing type of stuff we don't have enough of that uh, that we do within our, uh, you know, within our team or organization. And so, um, I just kind of took that away of like, huh, like, I, I know that there are a lot of solutions out there. We could just, you know, buy something from a company and then use it and set it up that whole thing. But out of curiosity, if I were to make one of these, how would that look? And so, um, I ended up just kind of making something and, you know, sat down for, uh, over a couple of days, you know, spread out throughout the time, um, ended up making something that would um, essentially hammer uh, a system with a bunch of uh, requests to, you know, the web page and that kind of stuff. And um, so I wasn't planning on telling anyone at work, like, hey, I, I made this thing that we can use. Um, I told some coworkers, like, hey, cool, check this out. You know, proud of myself, that whole deal. Um, but uh, then I was talking to my manager and, and you know, she mentioned, hey, uh, you know, this is the thing that we're looking at, but it's going to take some time. So I, I mentioned like, hey, well, we have this thing. And um, it like is something that we're going to be trying out. Um, by the time this episode goes out, I think we'll have uh, tried it. So we'll see if it actually works or not. I haven't been able to use it uh, completely at scale. But uh, um, it, it's kind of one of those one of those cases where, yeah, you know, I, I made this thing out of my own curiosity um, and it definitely helped the business to to agree or hopefully will help the business i'll, I'll know within a few days <laughs> that being said this is a disclaimer do not ddos your company without permission <laughs> um, that <laughs> sounds like a good way to lose your job <laughs> exactly i do not in any way condone doing that without permission <laughs> uh, and I, I i believe i put that uh, disclaimer in the uh, in the code on github i was like try to make sure that that was nice and detailed toward the top uh <laughs> but yeah yeah so normally i don't talk about gear and things like that but since we are talking about the developer side quest um i was a was it multi-potentialite monk uh, which meant that I use my hands and I'm more concerned about the journey than the destination. So I'm going to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. You ready? Okay, let's do this. <clears throat> All right. If you're any D&D character, what character class are you? Oh, a monk. When a I was monk? a teenager, I was always playing the monk. I always loved martial arts stuff. 
easily that. What race? Uh, usually human. Just kind of the simple, easy one. And alignment. Oh, uh, trying to remember lawful neutral. Okay, okay. So when you are faced with a problem, whether in game or in life, would you rather roll for initiative or make some type of observation check? Oh, roll for initiative. <laughs> Easily. I'm always the uh, I'm always the jump at it kind of guy. You know, like I I just want to get at the problem. Um, and I, I know like I, I deep somewhere inside of me, I know that's probably not the smartest of ideas. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, that's that's just my default answer right there. Roll for initiative. <laughs> awesome. If you're min maxing your stats, what's your highest level stat? Uh, well, as a monk, it's probably going to be dexterity because that's the uh, the the whole uh, thing that they're they're good at. Um, now, that's in a fake world. Um, in real life, um, probably dexterity because just growing up, I've always had horrible dexterity, but like just on a personal note. <laughs> <laughs> and then your lowest stat. Um, ooh, uh, lowest stat, uh, strength. I'm not a, I'm not a tough guy. Oh no, constitution. Let's go with constitution. I'm not a tough guy. And last question. What do you always keep in your bag of holding? Uh, a pen. Always have to be ready to write something down. I guess the, the easy answer would be a cell phone, but let's go with the pen. <laughs> I like it. All right, so this this has been a great conversation. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I did more talking than I would prefer, but uh, I have to let everyone listening know that the show is only just beginning. In a few seconds, Al's going to tell us where we can find him, and then we can jump into the after show where I am going to once again become his guest on a brand new show that he has not even thought up of yet. And uh, he's going to grill me with some questions. And if you want to hear that, you have to become a premium member. The premium membership for Productivity and Tech supports the podcast. Uh, as I mentioned before, Pitt is a business. We do make money uh, helping other developers do things. But that doesn't mean that we always have the expendable income to invest in equipment and hosting fees and help every once in a while. Um, just... We just found out. We had like thousands of people who have been trying to listen to the old podcast feed. So we are actually working on restoring that. And that's not a one-person job. So I'm actually recruiting some help. And I got to pay the people. So uh, your contributions help but you're not just getting that happy feeling knowing that you helped. You also get access to the premium group inside of our public and free Slack workspace. And you might be saying, okay, so what? Well, you also get a direct line to me where I make sure that I keep up with what you're doing at least once a week. So if you've ever wanted to just pick my brain on productivity or technology or just know what my thoughts are on something related to business or podcasting or whatever, or you just enjoy this show and want to support it and see it continue to grow, I do have some plans for it in the future, but we're not going to talk about that just yet. Um, our premium members who are already premium members already know what some of that stuff is. They got a taste of it last week. But if you want to see Pitt continue to grow, you have to become a premium member. Head over to productivityintech.com slash memberships and sign up today. It's $10 a month or $100 a year. You will not regret hanging out with some of the awesome fellow premium members as well as making a step towards becoming more productive. So now that I've said all of that, Al, last question there is a cave, a village, and a brawl out in the valley. Which one do you go to first? And to do what? Oh, um, the village. 
because you got to figure out what else is going on in that area. It's, it's not just the three. It's not just the village, the cave and the brawl. There's there's some other stuff. You got to find the cool the cool things to to hit up. All right. And if more people want to find the cool things that are uh, happening with you, how would they do that? Uh, yeah, so the easiest way you could find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm uh, at programmer Al. Uh, and then uh, you can also find me in my uh, other podcasts. So we've got the developer side quests, which is just me running. And then uh, I feel bad because I completely forgot to mention the other one <laughs> that, that I co-host, uh, MCU Rewind, where we talk about um, uh, Marvel movies and TV shows and that kind of stuff. Oh, man, that sounds like a show that is right up our audience's alley. Unfortunately, not me, because, again, I haven't sat down and watched. I haven't watched a movie since, like, spider-man into the multiverse so uh, that tells you how much of a of a movie uh fan i am not one at all all right so thank you once again al for being a guest on the podcast i had a great time oh same here i loved it thank you for having me and also if you want to hear more about productivity in tech or if you're a developer or designer or other person in tech that wants to get into podcasting but needs a little help then let me know. Go to productivityintech.com. Uh, sign up for a free consultation. I always tell people, even if you can't afford an editor, you can always afford a little bit of free advice. And I am more than happy to give that to you. That's over at productivityintech.com. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter as well, where I uh, dole out a little bit more of that advice. And uh, enough of all of those spiels, I'd like to thank Nadira Mawali for the use of his music, A Hustler in Spite of Myself, for the intro and outro music. And of course, if you want to reach out to us online, you can follow me directly at KJAY Miller on all the things. And you can follow Productivity in Tech on Twitter at prod underscore in underscore tech i've been jay miller for myself al and productivity in tech i hope we've been productive talk to you next week all right al are you ready for the after show yeah sure uh let's see let me just grab a quick drink of uh, water right here Okay, well, while you're grabbing your drink, if you can still hear me, I'm going to give you my spiel. Uh, at the end of every show, I've done a lot of talking, but I'm ready to do a little bit more. Uh, but this time, I'm going to be answering the questions that you ask me instead of the other way around. I'm passing over the host baton to you. This is now your show to talk about whatever you want for as long or as little as you like. But from this point on, the show is yours. All right, so... Um Let's start making some big changes around here. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I I really um, should have thrown a lot more thought into this because you you threw some questions at me. Uh, you know, D and D. What are you going to do in these scenarios? I've got nothing. I'm not that good on the spot, so I'm I'm just not even going to try that. But I, um, you know, somehow in the future, I'll get you back. I'll I'll, I'll be asking you those questions. Uh, but the first question that I have to ask you is. Years ago, I learned that the federal government here in the U.S. only buys pens from one manufacturer. And th and when I read like the stats on these pens, they're supposed to be like some crazy thing, like they're supposed to work at some freezing temperature and some really hot temperature and supposed to be able to do all this stuff with them. I'm assuming you used these pens when you were in the Marines. Were they any good? No, no, they were not. They were terrible. Um, they were super scratchy, like crappy ballpoint pens that you purchased by like the thousands. Um, I can't remember what they were even called. Uh, but I, I think that they were some of the inspiration for what became the Fisher space pen, which is one of my favorite pens to use if I'm talking about a ballpoint or, uh, actually no, just a ballpoint. I don't think, I, I don't think I've, they don't have, I don't think they have a uh, fountain pen model. But I, I have not used this mythical god of pens. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I'm looking up that Fisher Space Pen, and uh, it looks cool. Uh, although I'm seeing like a handful of different models, I guess, because I see some that are thirty dollars online, and then I see one that's a hundred dollars. So I'm guessing maybe the the one you like is probably closer to that that uh, cost. You know, the uh, the one that I had that I used literally until the pins, like like the um, the seal that kept it like fused together started to wear. I was using it so much. 
uh, was the backpacker. And it's the one that has like a little keychain on it that you could clip to your, you know, your pack. Uh, I have had the traditional pen, which is like the black little like bullet pill looking thing. Um, that one also works really well. Uh, I will say that I don't think they're a pen that you want to write with all the time every day. Uh, but they are good pens for, like you said, just having on you. That way, if you ever need to write something down and you're like, oh, crap, I don't have a pen. No, no, that that's the pen that you always have uh, whenever you don't have that other pen that you use. All right. I have no idea why my first question for you is pen related. Um. <laughs> well, that, that's interesting because I didn't know that you were so into pens. I'm, I'm, uh, do you listen to like the pen addict or anything like that? No, I didn't know that's a thing. <laughs> so I funny, funny, you started with pens. I am actually a fountain pen user. Um, and people always ask me like, Oh, you know, what's your productivity? Da, 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 da. Uh, my secret is I use pen and paper, uh, for my business. I use Basecamp just because it's easier to, I can't like make a paper airplane out of my notes and then like send it to someone. So I have a tool for that, but in my day to day productivity, yeah, pen and paper is my thing. Oh, really? So, okay. I don't, I don't remember the last time I've used a fountain pen. What makes that better i guess like what what do you prefer about that over some other run-of-the-mill type of pen uh there's a couple of things one i i write really weird and this is bad for podcasting i can't really explain it but if you're holding a pen like you would like the majority of people hold their pens uh you know kind of making that triangle with their middle index and thumb well i hold my pen between my middle finger and my ring finger and like just a just above and below the first knuckle and that's how i write and one of the the side effects of this is my handwriting is is pretty darn good if i say so myself but (laughs) the the side effect of it is i tend to either a bear down too hard and I use my wrist and my hand more than like my arm when it comes to writing. And I have early onset rheumatoid arthritis. So after writing for a while, it starts to hurt. Well, the good thing about fountain pens is they're designed, and I'm actually writing with one right now. I'm writing with like this varsity like throwaway fountain pen that uh, we keep in the office. These are these are like my disposable pens or when someone says, hey, you got a pen? It's like, oh yeah, here you go. Um, but... Fountain pens aren't designed to bear down. Like in most pen systems, you have a roller ball, which is ink is on the backside of the ball and it uses friction to shift the ink out to the front. Or you have like a, uh, a ball point, which you're basically pushing a ball inwards, which allows ink to flow out. Ball points tend to be a little bit more ink uh, loving and uh, rollerballs tend to be a little ink sparse. And a fountain pen uses tines. It has like these two little tines on the nib, and it takes very little pressure to spread those tines because it's already it already has ink in it. So you just have to apply just enough pressure to free the ink, and then from there, physics, gravity, and all those things continue the process down onto the paper which means that i can write very lightly and still get a really good spread of ink which helps with my arthritis and quite frankly i look darn good using them so that's that's always another cool feature (laughs) gotcha so i i think i i read before that um you know fountain pens and you know things like them were kind of the reason why um, we used to write a lot of things in cursive because mm-hmm. it's way easier to, to do all that in one stroke or if you take the pen off maybe it's it gets blotchy or something um, or do, do you find yourself writing things in cursive like with those pens like is it just natural so I, I do tend to write in cursive uh, I, I write in like a, a weird mixture of cursive and print Uh, I can often tell my mood based on my writing. So if I go back through one of my journals and I I look at the, the writing in it, if it seems blockier, then I was probably having a bad day. If I'm using like 
all caps for everything, then that means like get out of the way. That was that was definitely not the 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 best of times. But usually when I'm I'm relaxed, I'm I'm calmer. I do tend to get into this like freeform blend of. Uh, cursive and just straight print. It often depends on what letters we're talking about. Um, anything that's a part of my name, so J's, A's, Y's, M's, I's, L's, E's, and R's are almost always cursive just because of signatures and stuff like that. Um, D's tend to not be cursive. I don't know. I just don't like how a D looks in cursive. Uh, capital G's tend to not be cursive. Uh, I know I'm probably answering this way more in detail than you're asking, but uh, yeah, I guess to answer the question, I, I, I use both, and sometimes there will be more cursive, sometimes there will be more non-cursive, but uh, yeah, I kind of bounce back and forth and go everywhere in between. Oh, all right. And uh, no, no, I'm somehow ended up super deeply invested in this topic now. I don't know why. I've never really cared about <laughs> pens specifically, but now I'm, I'm all in. Uh, I started looking up pen facts online. Um, so I don't know if you knew any of these, but I'm just going to read like two or three here. Um, did you know that the main design of a ballpoint pen originated from an 1888 patent for a pen that could write on leather? I did not know about that, but thinking about uh, one of the leather working tools that they have that is literally a ball that you like use to score the leather, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, interesting. So I've, I've never done like any kind of leather work, so I have no idea what's involved. But um, so is that basically just for like kind of it's basically like writing on the leather to like kind of like a pen. So it's just so, an evolution of that. So I haven't done any leatherworking myself, but I'm, I'm always just scouring YouTube for anything interesting. And uh, there was a YouTube channel of a, uh, a lady that does leatherworking uh, around journals. And, you know, me, I'm all about journals. So I was like, sweet, let's look at this. And she had like this, like, it basically looked like a giant rod with like a ball on the end. And yeah, she just basically just grove it into the into the leather to make a pattern, like to do some of the stylized swirls and things like that, and to give it like that smooth feel to it. I think another uh, tool that people use, um, clay makers have a similar tool as well, or I guess clay workers. I don't know what they're called. Oh, interesting. Okay. The things uh, you can find on the internet. <laughs> uh, yeah, tons, tons of things. Um, uh, all right, random fact number two. Um, so practical ballpoint pens were patented 50 years later than uh, the previous thing that I just mentioned. So that was in 1938 by the editor of a Hungarian newspaper whose name I am not even going to try to pronounce because there are too many uh, accents over letters. And if I remember correctly, they were popularized by the Bic company, which is still in production today and makes, I think, like over a billion pins a day or something like that. Exactly. Well, at least the first part. I don't I don't know about the how many they make a day. That is insane, though. That is a crazy yeah. number. Um, well, I mean, when you're <laughs> selling like 50 for two dollars, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting what you can learn about uh, an industry you never really think about, you know, until you till you go online and you start thinking, oh, what what am I going to learn about today? Like, let me just pull up my desk and see, oh, what's this random thing? How many, uh, um, you know, little notepads? Like, what what can you learn about that industry? Because did I'm sure you know that the cap of a Bic pen, the the reason there's a hole in it, is rumored to be to help prevent children from choking on it i had heard that you know that's like one of those facts that you hear and then you completely forget i'm pretty oh. sure that's a myth oh. uh, i do think part of that had to do with one it, it's less plastic which is always cheaper on your operating costs mm -hmm. uh, and then two uh, it helps with keeping pressure uh, balanced out in the pen because pressure is kind of how everything works, which is why you should never take a fountain pen on an airplane. It's a bad idea. 
Oh, interesting. Did, does it just completely leak? Is that what happens? It it can. <laughs> That's oh. that that tends to be what happens. Uh, occasionally, you'll get some some like blotched uh, stuff. You know, you'll open it up, and then all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, there's ink everywhere. Great!" And my time and my nib is ruined. Awesome. <laughs> I, I haven't had that happen to me, but I have seen pictures and. Oh man, that's that's the stuff of horror movies right there. Oh, okay, uh, man. So I, I'm guessing like a red pen, like would just be crazy. Like you think that someone's <laughs> missing an arm now all of a sudden? Like oh, I'm, I mean maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So I'll definitely keep that in mind. No red fountain pens on planes or other fountain pens too. But that one. Oh, all right. <laughs> Supposedly, if you if you do have to take a pen on a plane, you want to keep it in a pressurized container. But then the other option is to just take the ink out. Oh, OK, that makes sense. Hmm. All right. <laughs> um, well, I am out of pen related trivia and questions for you. I was not expecting to go on this uh, <laughs> pen after show, uh, but uh, um, I had quite the journey. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, I enjoyed my one time taking over, uh, taking over this pit podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're ever interested in learning more about like fountain pens and paper and stuff, the pen addict on relay FM is definitely the resource. Um, fun fact the host and author of the Penatic blog is Mike Dowdy, someone who I used to live about 10 minutes from and did not know it. Oh, interesting. Well, um, did not know until I actually had him on the podcast and he was talking about stuff and being around Atlanta. And I was like, oh, what parts of Atlanta? He's like, oh, yeah, Macon. I was like, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> So I had never heard of the Pen Attic podcast before, but I'm, I'm looking at it now and I've subscribed, of course, because now I'm really interested. But I am surprised that they're at 367 episodes as of today and they're all over an hour. So, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, and it's it's one of those things that if you ever are interested in getting into fountain pens or even decent paper, that is definitely the resource. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting that developers... I think more developers need to use analog tools. Uh, I, I think that it, it's nice. It, it's good for the eyes. It helps give you a point of focus that's not a screen. And honestly, it, it centers me. You write slower than you type, which gives you more time to process the information that you're actually uh, committing to paper. So uh, if you want a little bit of... Uh, what is it called? Intentionality in your work. Maybe give up the the digital task manager and pick up a notebook. Yeah, that's definitely something I know that for, for me on a personal note, I should probably uh, work on that a little bit more because I, I definitely do rush through things and forget a lot because of that. Hmm. Uh, we all do it, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, all righty. Well, um, I mean, I guess I don't really have anything else to say. I don't know if there's anything you do to take back your show. I'm, I'm not I'm not completely sure what the process is here. <laughs> do I have to sign something to give it back to you or or what's no, no, what no. Do we do? No, okay. no I, I just I just always say once again, thank you for all the premium listeners. Uh, you're the reason why Pitt still exists to this day. Uh, whether it's the business or the podcast, I could not have done any of this without you. And this is my gift to you, as always. Uh, once again, thank you. And I'll talk to you in the Slack channel. <laughs>